Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. Thank you for joining us today. And the first thing I want to say to you is, He is risen. Now, I know if we were doing this at church today, there would be a resounding response of, He is risen indeed. And in my mind, I can hear you saying that. Thank you for joining us for this special Easter service today. Our prayer is that you would just sense the presence of God right where you are, that the risen Jesus would minister to you and your life, that you would enjoy this time celebrating the Easter season, even though we're restricted in gathering together. God bless you and enjoy as Tyler leads us in a special song this morning. Happy Easter, everyone. Jesus is alive. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You did not stay dead, but you rose again on the third day so that we could have life. We thank you. We love you. We praise you. We lift you high. Please have your way in our lives, we pray. Sweetie. 
today are found in John chapter 20 verses 1 to 18. Early on the first day of the week while it was still dark Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple the one Jesus loved and said they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. Today is the final message in our four-week preaching series entitled Journey to Easter. Our first stop took place on the border of Samaria. It was there that Jesus reminded us that it is the marginalized, the rejected, the broken, the sick, the helpless that he came to redeem. And also he reminded us that God can do miraculous things even though we are in a place we had never intended to be on a road we never set out to be on. Our second stop took place in Bethany, 
at the home of Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. It was here that we were reminded that Jesus weeps with, along with those who are mourning, even though he has authority over life and death. Our third stop was located just outside the gates of the great city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. We said if we believe that Jesus is the King of Kings and the Savior of all creation, it should cause us to look forward to and wait for his second coming with great anticipation. Today is Easter Sunday, and Easter reminds us that despite the darkness, the hopelessness, the loss, the heartache that we experience during life's most painful moments, there is always hope when we put our trust in the promises of God. Our final stop on the journey to Easter takes us to the garden tomb on Resurrection Sunday. While there is only one Easter story in scripture, that being that Jesus died and rose again, there are a number of supporting stories that help us understand the primary story and contribute to it. Over the years, I have personally approached Easter from the perspective of the disciples, of Nicodemus, of the Holy Spirit as in his role of, of bringing life out of chaos, on Paul's writings on resurrection, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus on resurrection day. But my favorite, if I'm allowed to have a favorite, is seeing Easter through the lens of Mary Magdalene. Her story is one of being suspended between fear and hope and seeing all of her hopes realized with the resurrection of Jesus. So today we will be tracing the journey of Mary Magdalene through the events of that first Easter weekend. The ministry of Jesus primarily took place among the fishing villages along the coast of the Sea of Galilee near Capernaum. There was a thriving fishing village there named Magdala. Because there were a number of different Marys that were associated with Jesus, Mary Magdalene is identified by her hometown. She is Mary from Magdala or Mary Magdalene. Now despite many identifying her as the sinful woman, the prostitute, that anointed the feet of Jesus, there is actually no evidence in scripture to support that view. She is referenced more than a dozen times in the gospel, but not once is there a reference linking her to a former immoral life. We do know that Jesus delivered her from seven demons, that she traveled with Jesus and the disciples and other women throughout his public ministry. She is first mentioned in Luke chapter 8 and last mentioned in John chapter 20. In Luke 8, we are told that she's a part of a group that financially supported Jesus' ministry out of her private means. Likely that she was wealthy in comparison to the other disciples. Church history records her as a disciple of Jesus and a leader in the early church movement. Now we'll be reminded today that it was her unwavering devotion to Jesus through the most difficult experience of her life that resulted in her finding hope on that first resurrection morning. Our scripture for today was read earlier and is found in John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. And we're going to follow Mary at the cross, at the tomb, and in the garden. Let's begin at the cross. It's Friday afternoon. 
Golgotha's hill, the place of the skull. Three crosses are erected on the hill. Jesus hangs on the center cross. There's a thief hanging on each side of him. He's been beaten, bruised, tormented, mocked, and whipped. Now he hangs on a cross, nails through his hands and feet, a crown of thorns pressed into the flesh on his head. A crowd stands at the foot of the cross. The thoughts, opinions, emotions of the crowd are varied. First of all, many of the Jews, religious leaders, they're rejoicing. In their opinion, Jesus was a blasphemer, a troublemaker, a threat to their spiritual comfort levels, a challenge to their conscience, and they're mocking him. Then there's the soldiers, likely just another crucifixion for them, another day at work, another criminal to be punished, desensitized to the violence, the gore, and the suffering. They've done this many times before. Then you have the followers of Jesus. Interestingly, none of the gospel writers record the presence of the primary 11 disciples at the crucifixion, with the exception of John in his gospel, who records that Jesus spoke regarding his mother to, quote, the disciple whom Jesus loved, resulting in this disciple taking her into his home and caring for her. If the disciples were present, likely they're standing at a distance out of fear. However, we're told in John chapter 19 that there are a small group of women who are standing near the cross. And named among them is Mary Magdalene. She's heartbroken. He was her friend. He was her teacher. He taught her about the kingdom of God, about a new way to live. He set her free spiritually. He changed her life. This was a moment of great pain and confusion. The Jews longed for their Messiah to come, to bring change. He was the key to their future. She believed that he was the Messiah. She would have drawn conclusions as to how this would likely play out. And now the future is hopeless. Without Jesus, there is no hope. Her hopes, her dreams, and the hopes and dreams of her people were stripped away in this moment. She's also experiencing the pain of seeing someone she loved grossly mistreated. The most important person in her life has been taken. And she stood there, staring at an uncertain future at the foot of the cross of hopelessness. Our second stop is at the tomb. This was an unusual case of crucifixion, to say the least. Jesus died sooner than most people die, likely because he, of the suffering he endured prior to the cross. Usually the soldiers would have to break the legs of the person to speed up the death, but it wasn't necessary this time. Usually the body would be left on display on the cross as a reminder to everyone who passed by of the consequences of crime and the power of the Roman Empire. But permission was given to remove the body of Jesus. The Sabbath was fast approaching. It would be dark soon. Joseph of Arimathea was secretly, we're told, a disciple of Jesus because he was afraid of the Jews. And so he, accompanied by Nicodemus, took the body of Jesus down from the cross 
hastily prepared it for burial, placed it in Joseph's own tomb, located in a private garden, not a cemetery. From the time of the hasty burial on Friday until the sunrise on Sunday morning, Mary spent waiting, observing the Sabbath, helpless to even give Jesus the normal preparation for burial. I'm sure that the time between seemed very long for her. Nothing to do but mourn, reflect, process. It likely felt like nothing was happening, that everything had just stopped. Well, early Sunday morning before daylight, Mary went to the tomb with aloes, myrrh, to properly prepare the body of Jesus for a final proper burial. It was a different day than Friday. He was gone. There's nothing more that she can do other than honor him with the proper burial. Life would go on. She would have to accept his death. Regardless of the pain, she would do the respectable thing. Upon arriving, she saw that the stone had been rolled away. And immediately she ran to get Peter and John and told them what she had seen at the tomb. And immediately they too ran to the tomb. They saw the stone had been rolled away. They saw that the grave clothes were there, the face napkin neatly folded, but Jesus was gone. This was clearly a sign that God was at work. If someone had moved or stolen the body of Jesus, they would not have left the wrapping behind neatly folded. Despite the evidence that something significant had happened, they returned back to their homes. But Mary Magdalene, who had returned to the tomb with them, looked inside and saw two angels, further evidence that God was doing something significant. And she asked them where they had put the body of Jesus. Now, truth be told, the disciples and Mary should have been expecting the resurrection. He talked of it many times with them. But she is so caught up in the hopelessness of what had transpired that she saw him die with her own eyes. She is so caught up in honoring him by doing the respectable thing of a proper burial that she is not focusing on what he said. The miraculous moving of the stone didn't register with her. The grave close, undisturbed, didn't tweak any memories of the words he had spoken. The presence of angels did not get through to her. She was spending Easter at the tomb of acceptance, caught up in doing the respectable thing, but missing the truth of what was really happening. Our final stop is in the garden. As Mary turned to leave the tomb area, she saw a man standing in front of her. Jesus was standing right in front of her, but she did not recognize him. He spoke to her. He says, why are you crying? But she didn't recognize his voice. She thought he was the gardener, so she told him. She said, they've taken the body of my Lord away, and I don't know where they've taken him. She was hoping that he would know where she could find the body of Jesus so she could complete what she had come there to do. Then something truly miraculous happened. Jesus spoke to her. He spoke only one word, her name. 
He said, Mary. Mary. Instantly, something changed. Hope welled up within her. Her dreams were restored. Her grief was lifted. He was who he said he was. He had kept his promise. He was alive. The hopelessness of Friday had faded. Her task of doing the respectable thing, pretending to be okay, was no longer needed. He was alive. Now, as we reflect on this passage, we look back just a few chapters to John chapter 10, where Jesus said these words. He said, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. I know my sheep by name. My sheep know my voice, and they respond to my voice. And respond she did. She fell at his feet and said, Rabbi, teacher, what died on the cross, what was stolen at the tomb, is now restored in the garden. On this Easter Sunday morning, I would like to consider three points from the story of the life of Mary Magdalene on that first Easter Sunday morning. The first is hopelessness. All of us will experience moments of hopelessness in our lives. And perhaps this morning, you are spending this, this Easter at the cross of hopelessness. Life has not unfolded for you as you want it, as you expect it. And the result of that is your dreams have been shattered. Perhaps your heart is broken. You're confused. You don't understand. Perhaps your cross of hopelessness today was standing at the grave of a loved one that was taken far too soon. And the pain at times is almost too much to bear. Perhaps your hopelessness today is in relationships. Maybe you're going through divorce, marriage difficulties. You've experienced unfaithfulness. Perhaps you're estranged from family members or there are challenges today with your children and you don't know how much more you can take. Perhaps today you're facing an uncertain future. You have financial difficulties and challenges in your life. Perhaps you have job concerns. Maybe you just lost your job. Perhaps you're spending Easter mulling over an unfavorable doctor's report where you heard words like terminal, cancer, tumor, success rate, time frame. Maybe you've been hurt by people you've trusted and there's a lot of pain and unforgiveness in your life. And you stand at the foot of your cross of hopelessness. Your life racing out of control. Your dreams stripped away. Life is not playing out at all like you envisioned it would. And you can identify with Mary at the cross. It just seems hopeless. Secondly, I want us to see acceptance. Like Mary, perhaps you're spending this Easter suspended between great loss, great pain, and hope. This season for you 
feels like wasted time. It seems like nothing is being accomplished. Nothing's happening. Your fears, your hopelessness, your circumstances have given away to an attempt at acceptance. You lack the power, the ability to change your circumstances, so you're moving on, accepting the lot that life has dealt you. I want you to know today that there's nothing wrong with moving on. There's nothing wrong with accepting your circumstances and making the most out of your life, looking to God to bring the best out of your painful situation. That's a great thing. Unless, of course, first of all, you've not honestly dealt with your circumstances. Maybe you've buried the hurt, the pain, the disappointment, the unforgiveness. Perhaps you decided to square your shoulders, to be mature and strong and pretend you're okay. You resolve to do the respectable thing, to pretend, to move on before you tire other people out. Jesus never said, dig deep and you'll find the strength you need to carry on. He never said that. He didn't say, look inside yourself and you can do it. No, he said these words, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We are sometimes content to carry our burdens alone, looking within ourselves when God desires to bear them for us, to help us. Pretending we are okay when we are not okay is a problem. The second problem would be so preoccupied with life's circumstances that we fail to remember his promises. There are things that God has promised to do in us and for us, and we sometimes miss them because we choose instead to focus on the problem. Easter reminds us that some of God's greatest work is accomplished in the time in between, when nothing seems to be happening. Folks, Jesus is alive. He has risen. He has conquered death, and he can conquer your pain, your failures, and your circumstances. There is evidence all around us every day, despite the darkness and the pain, that God is working in our lives, but sometimes we miss it because we're focused on all the wrong things. We serve a powerful, mighty, authoritative God, yet we often choose to settle for the tomb of acceptance. My final point this morning is hope. If Easter is about anything, it's about hope. Where you are today, right there where you are, right now in this moment, can be your garden of hope. He has come to you right where you are. And he's calling your name. He wants to minister to you specifically. He knows you. He loves you. He wants to give you hope and a future. A future of trusting him to heal your hurts. To love you unconditionally. To guide your path. Perhaps like Martha the signs all around your life that God is doing something spectacular. Maybe it's all around you, but you can't see it. But if you listen, you will hear him.
call your name. And that will change everything. Your hopelessness will begin to fade. Your efforts to hide what you really feel will lose significance. And hope will be restored to you. Your circumstances do not have to change in order to find hope. Just your focus. Away from your losses and instead to the one who is faithful. The risen Jesus is right there today, calling your name, longing to restore your life. Easter reminds us that despite the darkness, the hopelessness, the loss, the heartache that we experience during life's most painful moments, there is always hope when we put our trust in the promises of God. And we have a choice today. We can spend Easter at the cross of hopelessness. We can spend Easter at the tomb of acceptance. Or we can spend Easter in the garden of restoration and hope. Let me pray with you today. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for who you are for all that you've done. We thank you that Jesus is alive. We thank you for the hope that we can have. We thank you that despite the fact that we are surrounded every day with bad news, with death, with sickness, with, with challenges and fear, that we can find hope in you because you, Jesus, are alive and you have authority over all of these things. Thank you that you love each of us individually. Thank you, Lord, today for the hope that you're bringing into our lives. And I pray that you would touch every single person today on this Easter Sunday as they realize, remember, and reflect on the truth that the Jesus we serve is alive, is alive. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.
this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Tyler, for leading us today. And thank you, everyone, for being a part of this special Easter service. I know these are challenging days, but be assured that we are praying for you, we are praying with you, and uh, we are trying to make the most of all of these opportunities despite the shortcomings. You've heard me say and preach many times that the church is not a building. That church is not something that happens at a certain time on Sunday morning, but that we are the church. And more than ever, we are challenged to be the church in the days that we are living in. So I want to encourage you today, be the church. Check in on your neighbors, check in on your family. Listen to what we're supposed to be doing. Give generously in this, in this time. Be there to be used of God in any way in the most creative of means. And just pray for God's protection, God's leading, God's guiding in our lives. May you have a blessed and wonderful day. I want to remind you this morning of how important your financial contributions are. And I just want to encourage you just to continue in your faithful giving. I know some of you have lost your job. Some of you are in reduced finances. I understand that. But for those of you who can't, just remember, you can go online and donate through Canada Helps. You can uh, call the office and have direct withdrawals set up. You can mail your, your offering to us, mails being checked regularly. And even if you need someone to, to do a, a, a pickup of your tithe, just, just contact the church office and we'll arrange a safe pickup of your resources to get them in. Thank you for standing with us. Have a wonderful day and have a wonderful week. God bless you.